We're in Hebrews chapter 2, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 this morning. Hebrews 2, 1 through 4. The title is Pay Attention. That's really what the author is going to be speaking to these group of Hebrew believers is you've got to pay attention. The brother who writes this letter is going to encourage these Jewish believers to not move away from their faith in Christ. Um, one of the things that seemed to have been a issue for them out of chapter 1 was that there were um, angels were associated with the giving of the law. And so all of chapter 1, um, the author is writing to say, listen, Jesus is greater than. So we look at verse 1, therefore we must give the more earnest heed to the things we've heard. So the word is listen to Jesus, but he begins with therefore. Therefore takes us back into that chapter 1 about the angels. And what we learned about Jesus in chapter 1 is he is greater than the angels because he is the son, because he is a creator, because he's the sustainer of the earth. He is a brightness of God's glory, his express image. He is a cleanser of our sins. And the angels of God even worship him. And even God himself calls the throne, calls Jesus um, God as he sits upon his throne. So for all of these reasons, we must listen to what Jesus has to say. Now as we look at this phrase, more earnest heed, you have three words there in the English, more earnest heed. These are two Greek words. The first word, more, um, that Greek word means to, um, and it's, it, this is a word that's trying to talk about a lot of stuff. And you'll, you'll hear this as I, I'm just simply going to read the definition. It means abundantly, more, exceedingly, much more, more frequently, and this is my favorite, more superabundantly. That's, that's the idea behind more. So it isn't just, it's not just like add to the quantity a little bit more. No, it's like more superabundantly, trying to uh, express how much more we need to do whatever's being talked about. And in this case, it is a more superabundant earnest heed. So earnest heed is one Greek word, prosecho, and it is a nautical term, and it means to hold the ship in a direction. So if you are heading somewhere and you're in a ship, um, you would want to give uh, earnest heed, pros echo. You would want to make, stay locked on that course and not veer off. Um, to pay attention is another way in which this word could be used. And so give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, to the things we have heard. It is possible to listen without hearing, isn't it? Somebody said, what did he just say? Yeah, that's you. Okay. You're, you're living proof of what I'm talking about. But don't feel bad. I am also living proof of that same thing. Just ask my wife. Football starts today. Not a good time to ask Troy a question. It's not like because I don't want to talk. It's just like I'm committed. You know, I'm just like, I, I don't want to be rude. I don't want to be rude. The commentators are working hard to present something and I want to pay attention. So, and my wife knows this. So she'll pause it to get my attention when she needs to. I don't intentionally ignore it. I just don't give super abundant heed when that's in front of me. So you, you know what I'm talking about, whatever it might be for you. But this is what we need to do. We need to hear what the Lord has communicated to us. Hearing Jesus without heeding Jesus is a dangerous 
proposition. We don't want to do that. We want to be like James said, is that we are not just hearers of the word, but we are what? We do what the word of God says. We follow what Jesus has to say. What does the more earnest heed look like? Well, in a word, it means obedience. You hear and you obey. If you're failing to heed the gospel message which says you are a sinner separated from God in danger of eternal judgment, but Jesus died on the cross for your sins to take away that penalty, and he rose from the dead to give the hope of eternal life, and if you will confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he rose from the dead, you will be saved. You need to give earnest heed to that. More superabundant earnest heed. You've got to respond to that. You can't just allow that to be something you hear and then you do not pay attention. You need to set your direction on this. So we need to listen to Jesus. Then he says you need to do this lest we drift away, right? There's, there's a reason why we should give the more earnest heed, lest we drift away. And so there's the danger of drifting He's going to actually give us two verbs that are, are both kind of in the passive. You have the idea of drifting. That's not usually an active thing. It's a passive activity of drifting. And then he's also going to talk about neglecting. Drifting and neglecting are passive behaviors. And so we need to get active in holding the course and we need to be active in um, taking heed. But this word that we use here, as you might imagine, uh, for drift away, it's another Greek word that is, is used, it's a nautical term. It means to float by or drift past a ship or to flow past as a river. And so the idea, though, with this word is that it's something that happens gradual. It's almost unnoticed when you move past that certain point. It's not like a swift moving experience. It's just kind of a rock you to sleep kind of a moment. And so he's saying, be careful lest you drift away. Give the more superabundant earnest heed lest you drift past that point, whatever that point may be. This word was also used of a, a thief that would very stealthily move in. So it's a slow, gentle kind of a, a experience. But we don't want to deviate from the truth that we've been given. We want to be locked in. We want to be zeroed in on the Lord and not drift away. The warning is these things happen subtly. These things happen sometimes without even noticing. You wake up one day and you're like, wow, where's my, where's my heart towards serving the Lord? Where's my heart towards, you know, uh, Witnessing. Where's my heart towards reading the word? And why is it that I don't even want to worship anymore? And what's going on with me? And all of a sudden you just, you notice that you have drifted away. You've sailed past that point that you were supposed to go to. I don't know if you've ever been on a boat where it's anchored and then the anchor comes loose. And, um, and if you're not paying attention, uh, and, and you're getting caught up if you're fishing or something like that, you can end up so far away. And that is a dangerous thing when a ship is just caught in the current and the captain or the people on the boat don't know that they are drifting. And it's easy to be a careless boater, if you will, 
You got your eyes fixed upon something else. Your attention is going to something else. And all of a sudden, you are like near danger. If you've owned a boat, you probably know what I'm talking about. You can also easily imagine this. So what does a well-anchored soul look like? Hey, my goals are clear. My values of what is important to me, my priorities, they're so clear. I know exactly what I want to do. And my commitment, it's rock solid. I'm going to be vigilant. I'm going to be paying attention to what is going on. I'm not vacillating back and forth. The storms of life, they will come and go, but I will remain steadfast because I'm anchored to Jesus. Hebrews 6.19 says, This hope we have is an anchor of the soul. And that is Jesus. He's the, he's the anchor of our soul. And this is where we need to be, is just locked in on him so we don't allow the current of the culture to move us along. Here's the, here's the reality. You can determine, you can look back at a time in your life when you were so locked in on Jesus and you were so on fire for Jesus. You made good decisions and you said, here I am, I am steadfast, I'm anchored in Christ, I'm paying the more earnest heed, I'm not neglecting, and here's the world, and I am always going to have a healthy distance from the world. But this is what the world does. The world does this. It's, it's getting caught up in the culture and it's moving further and further away. And if, if our determination is, well, I'm just going to keep, you know, that six inches of distance from the world. Well, maybe when you initially made that decision, that was commendable and that was healthy. But if you maintain six inches, as you see the culture going further and further away from the Lord, you're going to drift. So we don't allow what the, how the world's responding to set our course. It's, it's the Lord himself. And we're anchored to that. I hope you are. Are you anchored to Jesus this morning and to his word and what he has to say? So this is how we keep from drifting. We must continually obey his word. We must be in fellowship with Jesus. We must esteem the word that's been delivered to us. And I, I didn't, you know, I skipped that point inadvertently in last service. But I just would pray that you would ponder this. Continually esteem the word delivered to us by him. We should be amazed that we know the route to heaven. We should be amazed that we know the creator of the universe and we call him by name and he calls you his what? Friend. No longer do I call you servants. I call you my friends. And so this is the word that has come to us. And this should be esteemed in our hearts and our life. It should be a pinch me kind of experience all the time. Jesus loves you. You know him. You know what his plans are for you. Don't allow the moving culture to uh, be your fixed point. Let them do what they're going to do. You remain steadfast and don't drift. In verses 2 and 3, we come to this point of dangerous neglect. It's that second passive activity. So the first one is don't drift. And he's worried about them drifting. But here it's the exhortation is of dangerous neglect, which is it's closely, I mean, it's the same, the same thing, just kind of phrasing it differently. But let's read these, this verse. It says, For if the words spoken through angels prove steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward, how shall we escape if, and here's the word, we neglect so great a salvation? Now, the writer opens up with this conditional clause, if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast. 
Now, when you see the word if, there's many different ways in which the word if, the conditional clause, is used in the Greek language. And so sometimes you might read if and maybe it's not. I mean, maybe so, maybe no. That's not the way this if is being used. Specifically, it is a clause that means what's being stated is assumed to be true or is true and it is true for the sake of argument. So it, it, there's a force behind this word if. It, and so you might read it like this. Um, for if the word spoken through angels proves steadfast, and boy, it has. That's the, that's the force behind this if. Not like if and maybe it did, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Did the, did the law that came through the angels to Moses, you know, was that something that had consequences associated with it? Oh, yeah. Have you read your Bible? Have you read the Old Testament? So many examples of those that disobeyed and the consequences. Exiles that happened to an entire nation. So, yes, the word spoken through angels did prove steadfast. And every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. F.F. Bruce says the sanctions which attended the law given at Sinai were severe and inescapable. Every commandment had the appropriate penalty prescribed for its infringement. And for those who deliberately and of set policy defied or disregarded the law of God, there was no reprieve. There was no way to get that right. For such behavior, the death sentence was fixed in advance. This is meant to sober, right? Yes, the message that the angels um, uh, helped to mediate and bring to Moses and he uh, shared, well, there were consequences for it. Severe consequences for disobeying the law of the Lord. He said, well, if that's true and that came through angels, what do you think the case is going to be of the consequences for disregarding Jesus, neglecting what Jesus has to say? This is an argument from the lesser to the greater. Angels being lesser and having an associated judgment, the greater being Jesus, and you know that if there is a judgment associated with the lesser, there certainly is going to be a judgment associated with the greater. And so you don't want to neglect this. He's encouraging them, of course, to remain steadfast. He says, how shall we escape? Escape what? Well, the consequences, the just reward for neglecting Jesus. Here's the reality. If you say to the gospel message, I don't want Jesus, I don't want to have one way to get saved, I don't want there to be one person like him, I, want, I don't want to be able to do however I want to. Well, if you neglect that, and if he is true, and he is, then there is no escaping the judgment that's coming. But that's why God sent his only son to die on the cross for my sin and for you. This is why God was willing to pour his wrath upon his son so he wouldn't have to pour it out upon you. And this is the grace of God. This is the love of the Lord. Well, why would he do that? Why would he do that to his own son? Because he wanted to save us in such a way that would fully and completely communicate how much we are loved. This is a major problem we have in our hearts and our lives. Is that we often, because we fail to understand how we are loved by the Lord, we have many issues we deal with. But I'll tell you this, if you can tap into that well of love that God has for you, it will, it will solve so many problems in your life. It'll solve your number one problem of being separated. But now as you begin to walk in the love of God, 
You don't have to deal with fear because that's cast out. So there is a dangerous neglect that was at least potential. How far along they were in this, we don't know. But it was something that caused him to write and say, don't neglect this. And I would say, don't neglect what the Lord is saying to you. Pay careful attention. So time for little boomer stories. Our dog, all 14 pounds of him. This guy can neglect like it is an Olympic sport. I mean, he can ignore better than any created being on planet Earth. It's amazing. I can try to get this dog's attention. I mean, he can be like right there. It's, it's a min pin. Don't buy one. We, we love him. We love him. But read what a min pin is. And I'm telling you, this is exactly what he is. Um, and so he's very stubborn, really super smart. And um, he, everything's on his own terms. And so um, I, he can be sitting right here. And I'm like, hey, come here. Now I can call him over. And he will just look straight ahead. It's like, I don't hear you. I know you're there, but I'm not paying attention. I'm not, I'm, you know, and he will neglect. He will not give the more earnest heed to me until I walk over. And I cannot even be intentional. This I can walk over to um, where the, you know, our car keys are kept. And if I go and I, I go to grab the keys and I hit his little bowl, that's a treat bowl, that dude will come flying from the other side of the house, running full speed, and will come in and just kind of slide right in there on that vinyl plank flooring and just be right there. He will look at me with both eyes. He'll cock his head, ears go up, paw up, and like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> you know, now all of a sudden, he is fully locked on me. He is more super abundant, giving them more earnest heed. And I couldn't even get him to look at me five minutes earlier. Not even look at me. And now I've got his attention. And with that little treat, I can say, lay down. Sit down. I, I, can, I don't even have to say words. I can just do my hand down. I can do my hand up. I can say, spin this way, spin that way. I can throw his treat somewhere on the floor and I can do the hand. And he'll stay there. This is a smart dog. But he can neglect me when I'm not having something that interests him. And does anybody else have a dog like this? Does anybody else have a teenager like that? That's not fair. Don't raise your hand. Put your hand down. That's not nice. So, so you know what I'm talking about though, right? But, you know, we should be locked in on Jesus. He has all the good stuff. He's given us the very best. And I should want to hear what he has to say. I should want to follow him. When, when Jesus speaks, it's not time for me to evaluate. You know, Jesus is doing this in my life. Well, I just got to go pray about it. Wait, do you know Jesus is doing it? Yeah, well, who you pray? What do you mean pray about it? What is your prayer going to sound like? Hey, Jesus, I know you asked me to do this, but I'm asking you, do you still think it's a good idea? I mean, you don't pray about it. When the Lord leads you and guides you, you just go. And so my question to you is, are you giving them more earnest heed? Are you making certain that you're not neglecting, but you're locked in? Kind of the, the antonym to neglect would be just totally focused, diligent to what he has to say. And if he says, go here or do this, it's just you're doing it. You're just, you're so locked in. You get on the plane. If you've traveled a lot, not a good idea, but you probably don't listen to the safety announcement anymore. You hear it, 
You can't help it because the speakers are so loud over your head now. But you, can't, you hear it, but you don't pay attention. But you know when you pay attention? When they say, um, our flight is delayed. Everybody pays attention now. It's like, what are the consequences? And we all lock in to hear it. But that's the way we should be with the Lord at all times. It's like the noise that's all around us in this world. We're just, we're pushing it aside. We're, we're quieting it down. We're, we're, we're leaning forward. We're straining to hear what our Savior, our King, our Creator has to say. Because whatever he has to say, I want to do that. I want to do it completely and totally to the very end. And I pray that's your heart. And this is what I would say. In those times in my life where I don't have that focus, and if that be you today, then the same is true for you. And that is, you're listening to other things. And you're allowing other ideas to become important. And Jesus needs to become the only important thing. If you're like, well, I don't really know. If you're not straining to hear the word of the Lord and the noise of this world, then why not? So he's talking about how we need to make certain that we are paying attention um, lest we neglect so great a salvation. And so if the angels brought uh, a message that had consequences, how much more if you neglect the Son of God? Matthew eleven twenty through 24 talks about how the more you have, the more you're responsible for. It says, then he began to rebuke Jesus, the cities in which most of his mighty works had done. They had more. Because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For the mighty works which were done in you, um, if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say to you, it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon in the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to the heaven to heaven will be brought down to Hades. For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. The more we have, the more we're responsible. And the point that the, he, the author of Hebrews is saying is they had the law given by angels. We have grace given by Jesus, the Son. We must pay attention. F.F. Bruce says, whatever the, be the precise metaphorical force of the verb here, our author is warning Christian readers who have heard and accepted the gospel that if they yield to the temptation to abandon their profession, their plight is hopeless. The idea is, to refuse, and Ramsey uh, is who I'm quoting for here, it says, to refuse God's grace is far more serious than breaking God's law. Grace is available for those who disobey the law, but once grace is refused, nothing else remains. Yeah, they might have broke the law under the old covenant, but there was a hope of grace. But if you reject grace in Jesus Christ, what do you turn to now? There's nothing left. There's no one else. There's no, no other plan. Jesus is the fulfillment of the plan. Jesus is the fulfillment of all the bulls and the goats and the lambs. He is that final sacrifice. He is the Lamb of God. And if, if you go back to that, which is no longer in force, it's not going to work. 
It's like going to a, a, you know, a, a, a socket that's been disconnected from power. At one point, you could have done a lot of things through that. But once it becomes disconnected, it is useless. And the law is useless because it's passed away. And now it is a message of Jesus and his grace. So pay more care, the, the more earnest heed. Proverbs 4.20 through 22. Now, when the writer Proverbs wrote, he certainly was not thinking of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But boy, it, it applies here. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. If you're living your life without being mindful to what God has said through his son, Jesus Christ, not only in the gospel, but now as a believer, what, how he wants us to live for him, then it's time to pay the more earnest heed. We close there in verses three and four. And he is gonna speak the, of this great salvation message and how certain it is. How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? Which at first began to be spoken by the Lord, by Jesus, and was confirmed to us by those who heard, Peter, John. God also bearing witness, both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his will. We have a great salvation. It is a great, you are forgiven of your sins in Jesus Christ. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for you. He sent his Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead, and he dwells within you. He's going to come and he's going to take you to himself one day. Or we have, through natural causes, we will go to him. And there in his presence, we will receive new glorified bodies. We will sit upon a throne and rule with him. Figure that one out. But it's what the Bible says. And then he's going to come and rule upon this earth. And we're going to watch all of this. This is a great salvation that we have been given. And there's nothing else like it. And there's nowhere else you can go. And he says this word of salvation has been confirmed there in verse 3. Spoken by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard. It's a certain message. You can bank on this. The word for confirmed here means to make firm or re reliable so as to warrant security. The gospel message warrants your obeying it. It's secure. You can trust this message that has come first from the Lord, then through the apostles, the disciples. But not only that, but then it's also confirmed with the supernatural, signs, wonders, miracles, gifts of the Holy Spirit. You have a gift. If you're in the body of Christ, you have a gift of the Holy Spirit. You read through the book of Acts and you see how it was confirmed with all of those miracles and signs and wonders. And it did not and is not limited to just the opening century of the church. Read it. It may not be what your theology says, but read the Bible. It says that this is going to happen in the last days, that God's going to pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And you know, where the gospel goes afresh and new, you generally will find the greatest outpouring of the gifts of the spirit and the miracles and the healings. I've spent a lot of time over in Nepal, and um, one of the things that I can tell you Without question, I have heard, and I ask it all the time, tell me how you got saved. And I will say the majority of the time, 
the majority of the time, the answer sounds like this. Well, I was worshiping this God in the name of the God or goddess, and I got really, really sick. And a, a, a Christian came and said, you know what? You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus, and Jesus can heal you. And they prayed for me, and I was healed. And I realized that that was the true and living God. So I stopped following them. The witch doctors couldn't help me. And so now I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. Or it happened to my family, or it happened to my village. It, it, most people you talk to in Nepal came to faith because of some miraculous event that took place. So you can say it doesn't exist. Just don't tell them that. You can feel very comfortable saying it doesn't. But this is, this is what happens. And so people know, oh, this message is real. And it is something I can trust. And so give the more earnest heed to this message that has been delivered to us. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you have spoken to us in these last days through your son. Lord, you saved the best for last. The one with the greatest authority has spoken to us and is speaking to us now, and we thank you for that. Lord, we want to be attentive followers of yours. We want to be found as those that are leaning in to hear what you have to say. Locked in, waiting for the slightest movement of your eyes to lead us or the slightest whisper of your voice that would say, turn this way or that way. If you're here and you're a follower of Jesus Christ, but man, there is so much noise going on. You're not giving the more super abundant earnest heed. You made it to church and we're glad that you're here, but man, through the week, it is just chaos. You don't know what the Lord's saying to you anymore. But you know you need to and you know you want to. I encourage you to respond to that gentle touch of the Lord upon you right now. To pay attention to those fixed objects of your faith, not the moving shoreline of this culture. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you can do that right where you sit. Confess that you believe Jesus is Lord, that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the dead. Let him know that you're done living your life your own way and that you want him to be the Lord and the master of your life and to forgive you. And he will come and cleanse you and receive you. Lastly, maybe you're a believer and it's not just that the, there's chaos and noise and you're not hearing. Man, you're drifted. And truth be known, it's like you're, you're, you've drifted into the rocks vessels all messed up is taking on water you feel you feel it you know you're going down hey the Lord loves you and it's not too late like nah it's too late you don't know what happened no I don't have to know what happened because the one who knows everything is the one who says to return to him and so return to the Lord right now receive his grace receive his grace while we're praying, if you're in any one of those categories where it's just like, man, I need to be listening to the Lord more. I need to be more obedient. Or maybe you're in that place where, you know, it's time to come back to the Lord. You've drifted so far. Or that you're coming to the Lord right now. I just want you to stand to your feet. Just stand up and say, all right, Lord, you got my attention. I'm not going to follow these things anymore. 
I'm going to lock in on you or I'm coming to you. So if you're here this morning, just go ahead and stand them up. Let's stand before the Lord and say, Lord, here I am. I know the Lord's speaking to some of you and some of you are in a good spot. You're in the right spot. But don't, don't do a boomer on Jesus and just kind of like, yeah, I hear you, but I'm not going to pay attention. No. Lock on him right now. If you need to, and only if you need to, stand up and say, Lord, I'm going to follow you completely. I'm done with the games. Lord, you are good and you are gracious and we love you. Thank you for your kindness for these that are standing, whatever it is you're doing in their life right now. Lord, just fall upon them with the fullness of the Spirit, a love for you, a freshness in their walk with you that causes them to be um, not drifting and not neglecting. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.